I would say the the meat and potatoes of what I do goes back to sitting in Duck's basement and listening to Reject for Living Sacrifice and being <laughs> like, okay, well, I'm I want to sound like that guy because it genuinely terrified me at the time, <laughs> and and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what this is, but there was something about it that sort of probably the devil. Um, pulling me into doing this this death metal just a little bit of introduction uh for you i think is in order um so you are you are the lead singer of the band living sacrifice which i think is fair to say legendary metal band and Living Sacrifice has been around since what, eighty uh, nine ish, or something? Yeah, I mean the tail end of eighty nine. We get to say we formed in the eighties because technically it was nineteen eighty nine, but it was like you know September. And then our our first official show was New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty nine. So awesome! Our show was played in the eighties, and so yeah, uh, I'm super old. <laughs> well, I, I feel that way too, actually. Um, so one of the last BTA shows that I ever played on tour was with Living Sacrifice. And one of the very first death therapy shows I ever played was with Living Sacrifice. Really? Oh, yeah. Cool. When we came over to uh, Little Rock and we played for Philip at his church. Yeah. There. yeah. And um, at that show, I had a couple teenage girls come up to me and say, oh, my dad used to play your music when I was a baby. And that's when I realized that I've been doing this for a little longer than some people. So, um, sure. Yeah. But, uh, fun, fun story about that. So I'll tell you my living sacrifice story. I've got a few of them. Uh, the first living sacrifice story is that duck, our drummer, the guy who started becoming the archetype. Um, I would sit in his basement and he would play me music and he sort of introduced me to all these bands. And we were really into POD, which I know you guys just played some shows with. And yeah. um, and then he showed me this song called Reject and by Living Sacrifice. And I was absolutely terrified of your vocals at the time. I didn't know what to make of the growling and the screaming because I'd never heard anything like that before. So, That's hilarious. Yeah. And so fast forward to 2020 and I did a cover of that song um, just because it sort of changed my metal journey. So, so and, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. A, it was a great cover. It was a great, it was a really cool take on the song. Yeah. Um, so then you can fast forward. So like fast forward, maybe eight years. And I want to see if you remember these shows. I must've seen living sacrifice play four or five times in in atlanta and all of them were done by concert mom do you remember concert mom oh, of course yeah barb. barb yeah she was awesome and you guys almost always when i saw you played at a place called the greenhouse yeah in atlanta yeah prior to that we would play we would play at the strand in marietta yeah 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 we played there a few times uh but yeah yeah, yeah. Concert Mom was was the was the hookup uh, in in Atlanta for sure. Totally, and I it's such a weird thing to me to think that that time period. I mean, the bands and the fans were like 
interconnected in a really cool way. I can remember like, you know, at the, at the greenhouse, for instance, there was like a little church room and I'm sure that we always filled it way past the fire capacity and um, it was very sweaty in there. And then there was just like another little separate room where the band would go hang out. But I feel like in between the bands and the fans got to mingle with each other. And that's what got me in. Basically, that's what made me fall in love with doing that and want to play music. So, um, awesome. yeah, getting to see shows like that. So I think if I had grown up on arena rock shows, I might not have been as as interested in in it. I don't know. So, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, seeing, seeing, uh, you know, smaller uh, bands at at a more, you know, in a more intimate level kind of, kind of shows you like, oh, well, this is like, these are real people doing real things. Whereas, you know, like uh, if you're, if if you're just seeing, you know, a band that's, that's playing an arena, it's like, you know, that's, you know, untouchable. That's, that's unattainable. Uh, but you know, I can go, I can go play clubs, uh, play in a club or a coffee house or, yeah. or a church, um, with my band and people will come out and see that. So, yeah, totally. I think there's just, I think, I mean, some of the people that would watch this or listen to this, um, they can remember these things. They can remember going to these little shows and there was like, I mean, there's still, obviously you live in Nashville, so there's, there's club shows. You live in Nashville, right? I got that correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's club shows and stuff everywhere. I live more like out in the mountains in Georgia. So there aren't really like bands that come play here. Um, But oddly enough, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I feel like there was nowhere that we couldn't go play and find a church basement somewhere. And they would pack, you know, a couple hundred kids in there. We'd go to the middle of Nebraska and there would be there was just a scene during that time. I don't I don't know what it was. Yeah. The very first tour that BTA did was with uh, with Showbread. And I feel like one of the very first dates we did was at a place in, in Little Rock called Vino's Pizza. Yep. And I was told that somebody from Living Sacrifice at some point worked at Vino's Pizza. Is there truth to this story? Or is this a urban legend? No, yeah, that's true. It was me. It was you. Sweet. Yeah. That place is still yeah, there, they- right? It is. Yeah. If you, if you actually, I just posted an article last week. Uh, there's a, 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 an oral history of Vino's, uh, that's posted on there and it's got interviews from me and a bunch of people that work there and a bunch of musicians that used to play there. Like, uh, like a uh, singer for uh, Lucero is, yeah. you know, interviewed and uh, uh, auxiliary guitar player for Green Day, Jason White. We all kind of came out of that that scene. They were more on the punk side of things, obviously. But um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, the funny thing about Vino's, Vino's opened up in 1990. Yeah. And that's the first year we were a band. So uh, one of our, our, our third show that we ever played was at Vino's opening for uh, the Hare Krishna core band Shelter. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was uh, Ray, Ray Capo's band from Youth of Today, his band after Youth of Today. And, um, and yeah, that's, that was the only place to play in town. 
So we played Vino's. I wouldn't say a lot, but we probably played it like once or twice a year. Other bands played it like all the time. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like every we, time we, we did a tour, we always went through there. And several times when I've come through there just on other trips, I've made a stop to get pizza there just because it's it's a nostalgic memory for me. Because that's sort of where my touring life started. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I posted the article on my Facebook page. Uh just the the oral history thing and it's it's uh it was written up by the arkansas times which is like a a free publication that you can also pick up and but uh the online version i've 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 posted or whatever so yeah you know i mean i saw i saw green day there before they blew up wow um i saw fugazi there jawbox um yeah i mean some some you know pretty pretty awesome shows happen there but anyways we would play we play there and and um it's a cool place um and and you know as 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 a as a club or a a, an all-ages club you go there and you can um um you know uh they give the band you know pizza and and uh you know if you play there then you just get a pizza for free and uh and you know beer because they're a brewery or cokes whatever but um it was always you know for the size of the place being a small room you know maybe holds 200 people comfortably um we put 500 in it totally um, but <laughs> totally <laughs> but um uh yeah yeah it was always a uh, it was always a legit place to play yeah i think it still is um i've seen yeah some- it sure sure is it's still there yeah, I've seen uh, a guy that I'm friends with online who I think takes a lot of pictures of shows there. Kurt, you probably know Kurt. Um, Lunsford, Kurt, yeah. Kurt Lunsford, and he's always posting killer photos from shows that are makes me want to go back. So shout out to Vino's. Um, so you said, so um, there was like a punk, there were some punk shows going on. There were some metal stuff going on. Um, I feel like I saw Living Sacrifice on tour at least at some point with not, not with punk bands. I mean, you may have toured with punk bands, but I know I saw you with like new metal bands. I th- feel like I saw you tour at some point with project 86 or POD um, at some point or was, or am I uh, mixing my shows together? No. Yeah. We, we toured with both bands, uh, you know, in different, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you just did together, some shows with POD. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and together, but I mean, even back, you know, in the '90s, we did shows with those guys, and and then in the in the early 2000s, for sure. Yeah, sure, and, yeah. And uh, what that makes me think of is, I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't go to enough shows anymore because I'm, you know, getting older. But uh, I feel like a lot of the tours that come out now don't blend genres the same way that I saw when I was growing up. I feel like I would go see a show. It would have like a ska band and a hip hop artist and a new metal band. And then a metal band would close out the night or something. And now I feel like if yeah. I go, if I go see a show, it's like the tour manager put five bands that all sound the same to me on the, on the ticket. So I don't know. Yeah. I kind of I miss that um, eclectic. We're all, we all felt like we were part of a like underground punk attitude, even if we were different styles. 
I think, I think, you know, also it was out of necessity probably a little bit back then because for sure. believe me, we were pitching ourselves to like machine head tours. Right. <laughs> um, but we weren't getting them. So right. did you ever, did you guys ever land any tours like that, that, that were notable? I mean, we, we did, we, we, uh, we did a tour with, uh, you know, we did a sh- short runs, uh, with, uh, malevolent creation and, um, uh, Nile mm-hmm. and even, uh, cannibal corpse. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, and then, uh, kind of in the early two thousands, uh, uh, we did a, a, a run with like, you know, these weren't big bands. We were actually headlining this, this run, but it was like, you know, sky came falling haste, the band haste, not haste the day, but there's a right. band from Birmingham called haste mm-hmm. hardcore band. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I think I saw you guys come to, uh, I mean, you were more peers than like, it's not like they were a big, big band or anything, but I think I saw you guys come one time to Atlanta with Demon Hunter um, when they were sort of stretching their legs and starting to tour. Because at first, I think they were kind of a little bit of a studio thing. Um, they created yeah. a created super group is what I mean. Super group. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. Also, just, you know great buds of ours friends and totally yeah yeah that was actually the tour where we uh we came we re- reformed that was 2008 okay cool yeah yeah i didn't realize that yeah we we came off a five-year hiatus and did that tour and put out two songs and then started working on <clears throat> the infinite order that's right i remember the two songs and uh and i actually also can remember I think I remember that at one point, this is going back, but I remember a two song cassette that I had pre hammering process. I feel like, was that a thing that solid state did? Yep. Put a couple songs on a, yeah, on yeah. A they, they put some, uh, yeah, we didn't have the record ready, uh, but they wanted to, to put something out for, um, you know, they always want to, they always wanted to uh, capitalize on all the kids at cornerstone. So totally. it was like, well, what can we, what can we give away right. or put out? You know, what can we, you know, promote in anticipation of, you know, whatever we did. The and same so, thing, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, um, two song cassette was easy and cheap. And, uh, I think it was just, I think there were demo versions of, of the, of some of songs that were ended up on the record. Yeah. So, uh, so hammering process is an interesting thing to talk about. So um, for me, at least, I mean, it is a transformative time for the band. Um, you know, had some member changes come, come back from that. But I mean, obviously Reborn was a big record. Um, or am I wrong about that? I mean, at the time was it, I mean, now it's considered legendary, but I don't know how it hit at the time. <clears throat> um, I mean, it was a, tra- I mean, it was, it was new. It was transitionary for us, obviously, because, uh, you know, I, I became the vocalist right. and, um, uh, the sound because of that, you know, the sound changed, the music changed, but it was still very much in the vein of, of, of what we did. Right. Even if, you know, if you kind of went back to the first album, but we, you know, obviously we we're just trying to branch out and, try different things and not, not 
not be kind of, you know, put in, you know, not paint ourselves into so much of a, a box uh, or a, uh, or a genre, you know, of, of, of metal, you know? And um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, probably not at first, but when it came out, it gained us a ton of new fans, you know, yeah. I mean, we, it up to that point, you know, it, it became our, our most successful record and, you know, you know, uh, up to that point and until we put out a uh, hammering process and then that, yeah. that record did, you know, slightly better or whatever, as far as sales go. And as far as the amount of touring we did and the type of shows and things like that. But I mean, it was a build from reborn to that, you know, we well, definitely, between, yeah. between, between reborn and hammering process. And then after, I mean that we did the most touring that ever we had ever done. We probably did, you know, 200 shows a year. Totally. For like three or four years. Yeah. And I, I feel like, um, I feel like I read somewhere and this is not meant to be a, a joke. I just like literally don't know the answer to this question. I feel like I've read somewhere people like a urban legend that when hammering process came out, you were interviewed or asked by somebody if Meshuga had been a big influence on you in writing the hammering process. And the, the legend of this story goes that you told them, no, I don't listen to Meshuga. Is that true or false? Or is there any ring of truth to that? Uh, I can't, ima- I cannot imagine saying anything like that because <laughs> okay. by, by the time we did hammering process, uh, uh, I mean, we absolutely listened to Meshuggah. They were yeah. awesome. You know, here's, here's my Meshuggah story. Cause it, it's, 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 it is pretty significant in the sense that, um, we, uh, the first time we heard them was after we had done, after we had finished reborn mm-hmm. and, you know, reborn had some, you know, a little bit of odd timing things to it. And, you know, but I mean, we're not like my whatsoever at all. Um, but um, we'd finished, you know, we actually were going on tour for reborn and somebody gave us a cassette of destroy race improve on one side and none on the other. And they're like, Hey, have you heard of this band? Sugar? Well, no, never heard of them. And <clears throat> they gave us the cassette. I mean, I remember this because we were on tour and it was after show popped it in and it must, I don't even remember who gave it to us, but it must've been somebody that we liked and trusted to <laughs> yeah. actually put us a, a cassette in because, you know, random, it wasn't a random person put it that way, you know, cause it wasn't like, Hey, listen to my demo. Um, which I probably did to you at some point. (laughs) (laughs) So to finish that story, uh, we Mm -hmm. put the cassette in and in the van driving probably overnight to the next show or whatever. And we just listened to that thing over and over again. And we were like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it it was it was impactful for sure. So that's why I say I, I can't imagine ever saying right. I'd never heard them unless I was describing never hearing them before prior to that, the re, prior to reborn, right? Because 
I had, we hadn't, and it, that, that's, that's one memory that is, is, is very clear. So by the time, you know, we had gotten re, between reboard and hammering process is like three years. So by the time we got the hammering process, I mean, we absolutely, you know, had heard him or listened to him, but, um, and I'm sure they influenced some, some of the things, some of what we did, but hammering process, you know, I mean, dude, I was pulling from all kinds of places, even, you know, kind of starting back from, re, from reborn, you know, bands like, helmet and quicksand and you know and you know post post-punk you know rock and metal and so you know we we were definitely trying to pull in more influences put it that way totally i know that van halen was a big big uh guitar hero of yours right growing up or no absolutely yeah he's the first they were there that was the first real band i ever heard for the first time when i, I maybe i was 10 and i was just like like before that, you know, you grow up, you, you're listening to music and you're just right. listening to like whatever crap, whatever my parents listened to was what I listened yeah, whatever, to. Whatever crappy stuff was on the radio or, right. or, or, you know, uh disco duck. <laughs> I had that album village people, you know, court, you know, had that album. Right. Why not? Um, um, but, uh, in 1980, I was, I was 10 years old in 1982. So, you know, Van Halen was like, you know, massive, but it was, it was the, it was actually the first album I heard. And, it, you know, it was just because my older brother had it and, and uh, yeah, changed my life. I was like, it was like, I'm hearing music for the first time. This is real music, you know? Yeah. Not disco duck or the village people or pop or whatever. It's like, this is a thing. So Van Halen was my introduction into heavy rock and then ultimately metal. It's hard to call them a metal band, but they definitely have some heavy, there's heavy no, riffs. Yeah, there's no way to say that that modern guitar playing, like high gain guitar playing, could exist without the influence of Eddie Van Halen. So um, losing him was a huge, a huge loss. Um, yeah, on the on the music community. Um, so you guys just did some shows with POD, but before that, last year you did uh, Furnace Fest. What was that mm -hmm. like? Furnace Fest. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was incredible. It was like it was great. I mean, um, one, I was stoked to see all uh, you know a lot of those bands that played, you know, and some old friends of mine and things like that. And you know, I mean, did you guys play the original or Furnace Fest or? um were you just because there it happened multiple times yeah. right back in the day yeah yeah we did we played i think the first two years awesome yeah um i don't think we played the third year i can't remember if it did if it went three years or four years but um uh we didn't play the last year that they held it but um we played the first two years and um it was fun it was great but this year or this last year i mean it was man there was a lot of people a I know, lot of people so it was kind of like it was kind of like you know these people didn't come to the original first fest because there's only like two thousand people at that one right but this past year there was like ten thousand so three you know three stages um you know pretty pretty awesome and um yeah the crowd was great and you know it's we don't get opportunity to play in front of that many people that often who who know yeah. our our songs and our music and are just you know into it so yeah it was great it was awesome yeah 
I saw some videos from it. I didn't get a chance to go, um, but it looked it looked like a blast. And um, I mean, people singing along and go, like the mosh pit was nuts. And um, one of the things that I uh, this is something that only a person who's in a band would think is like I I thought to myself, you know, of all these bands, because I mean I don't know how many bands there were. What like ninety bands or something playing? <coughs> yeah. Um, I was like, Living Sacrifice has got to be in the small handful of bands that get up on the stage and like you're not using backing tracks you're not using in-ear monitors uh or am i or am i mistaken about that maybe jeremiah hooked you up with some sweet in-ears um recently but you guys are old school right i've never used in-ears there you go um jeremiah did make you sound awesome uh by the way he's a great sound guy yeah, yeah. I mean, the videos, the videos sound sound great. Sound sound heavy. That that particular, I, I I'd forgotten how um, kind of echoey that that uh, furnaces. That uh, yeah, the furnace is. <laughs> but that's that's the stage with all the character. You know, any of the other stages are like kind of like just outdoor festivals type stages. Whereas that stage is like that's furnace fest. You know, totally. So I was into it and. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, honestly, you know, to your point, though, uh, I, I don't recall seeing any band that played that show, pl played there with 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 any type of backing tracks, so to speak. Interesting. Uh, because those those just aren't the bands that they book, you know? Yeah, I guess that's true. I Maybe that's part of why it was such a special thing. I guess I just so. Well, I take that back. Yeah. I, you know, there, there were probably some bands on the bigger stage that might have had that going on. I just. I, you know, also, I'm not from I was wasn't not familiar with some of the larger bands that are around now. You know, there was definitely a, a several bands I, I'm not familiar with, you know, yeah. I just think and they were they were playing the big they're playing the big stage, like yeah. super popular band. Like uh, was it Motionless and White or something like that? Never right. Motionless I mean, and White. I've heard of them, but I don't I don't know anything about them. Knocked Loose, I think. Or did they play or. Um, I don't know. Really big hardcore band. But um, yeah, I. It's a, it's a weird thing because with becoming I was, I was there type, we never used backing tracks or anything. And now I feel like if there were to be a BTA reunion, like just to keep up with the way how huge all these bands sound now with like the sub drops and the orchestras behind them and stuff. I, when I go see a show, I'm like, man, I feel like we would need to either hire other musicians or play yeah. with a backing track. But uh, there's something special about the drummer is just he's your metronome and Lance is, is amazing. And, uh, yeah. you know, that, so to me, I, I guess that's what I'm reminiscing on is just sort of like, <clears throat> I mean, that's part of our sound. I think, you know, <clears throat> I mean, records are produced of course, but you know, um, uh, when you see us play live, I mean, it's, it's us and, totally. you know, uh, mess ups and all, but there's, um, there's you something you don't use of, any auto tune on your voice. <laughs> uh, if i if i actually sang in like any type of like key uh or or had a pitch then maybe there would be but no um you know it's uh there's a rawness to it and and um uh, yeah. I, I i like uh i like how we sound live it sounds different than the you know different than the records but still hopefully good you know i think there's a i think there's a I think there's a thing about that that's really humanizing and keeps it. 
I don't, I don't know how else to say, <clears throat> how else to say it other than I mean s- bands can sound absolutely perfect and sound just like the record playing with backing tracks and death therapy plays with backing tracks because I have like keyboard stuff and I don't usually have a keyboard player with me um, sure but there's a level at which there's a level at which when everybody does that I almost feel like it steals a little bit of the imperfection and the humanity from it like I watched a performance I feel like last year of a show Eric Clapton did very recently. And you could tell that like there were times when the band was trying to like hit a chord at the same time and they just didn't, they just didn't nail it. But then they sort of looked at each other and smiled and like, there's something charming about it. And I mean, obviously that's not metal. Uh, That's you can't smile. um, Well, uh, it's funny. I, you know, uh, playing with POD just recently, um, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're not playing to any kind of tracks at all. You know, right. I mean, those guys are just good. And uh, Marcos broke a string in a song. They just stopped. Yeah. Stopped completely. He said, switched out his guitar, tuned up real quick. And, you know, Sonny's like, he's like, this is, this is, this is why we don't play the backing tracks. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know? Uh, yeah. Cause you can, then you're, then you're kind of at the mercy yeah, the, they, just, they just launched. They just basically launched launch right back into the song, and uh, you know. But that's kind of fun. I'm not, I'm not against it. I think I think they have their place. You know, totally. Um, it's just not something that we've ever done, right. and uh, I, you know, I'm not saying I, I would ever not do it with some other type of configuration. But it, it never made sense for Living Sacrifice. So totally, totally. I mean, and like I say, I I'm speaking as somebody who for the last six years that's I haven't played anything without backing tracks, but. I didn't grow up that way. And I mean, I, di- I didn't grow up with in-ear monitors. It was all just the wedges. And honestly, we got used to when we were touring, just telling just telling the sound guy, like, I just need a little bit of my voice and we can go. Because we didn't, there was no, we didn't feel any reason to sit there and like belabor the point and sound like divas, you know? Um, sure. And uh, I think the only thing that we ever did that was artificial was Duck would use triggers on his kick drum but that was totally out of like just to simplify so that we didn't have to worry if the sound guy in some random church knew how to make a metal kick drum sound you know sure Um, yeah yeah yeah. so yeah that's about it but i'm also older now and i can't scream for nearly as long as i used to be able to like (laughs) until i got maybe four or five songs in i was i swear i would get like three phrases into the song and i was like i'm done i'm done I need to take a break. My voice is shot. Well, you know, my style of yelling is is full volume throat. You same, know? same. And uh, I, I can I can only do uh, a song uh, a night. <laughs> I, I hear that. I feel that. I, I mean, feel, I feel like when I when when I do um, when I do play shows, it, like when we do more stuff, being, it builds that, up. That ends up that ends up being about three hours of me screaming right you know totally like just trying different things you know phrasing whatever you know you know yeah. it's not it's not straightforward like i've got i've got my lyrics i know i know what i know where they fit but how are they going to execute you know sometimes i'm doubling whatever right totally and uh i so i try to like i try to do all the stuff that they say you're supposed to do like drink the tea and do the vocal warm-ups and 
and none of it ever matters because I'm, I think part of what I'm, and you're probably the same way. What I'm doing vocally is all wrong, according to the experts. And, but that's part of how I sound. Like I'm, so people will ask me sometimes on the internet, they'll say, well, what's your secret? How do I do vocals like you? And I'm like, I just, just yell as loud as you can, you know, and put a little gravel in it. I'm not, you know what I mean? I think there's some guys like Corey Taylor from Slipknot or somebody like he can go, he can do a three and a half hour show and wake up the next day and do a, another three and a half hour show. Yeah. Uh, he's doing something special with his voice that I don't have. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can, I can do back to back shows. I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, like even after these shows with, runs with POD now, granted we had a short set, but um um yeah it was fine you know um it uh it it wasn't wasn't that wasn't wasn't that big of a deal and um yeah i don't do it in the studio you're given a little bit more the studio is different because it's very you know it's it's you hear everything and it's it's very you know you're honing in on like nuance and you're trying to like well i mean for guys like us it's like okay we're screaming the whole time so it's like how do we make this interesting Right. Totally. You know, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not singing melodies or harmonizing with myself or anything like that. So it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, um, but yeah, I, I do that. And you don't I do don't, pig, you don't do pig squeals. I don't do. What's that? <laughs> you're, not, you're not familiar with the pig squeal vocals that are real popular. Like, have you seen that? The clip of the guy from the band Lorna Shore going around where he does the like, You'll have to look it up. He does this crazy thing with his voice where it like it almost seems like he's making animal noises and then he like does this crazy squeal that's like it was all the rage last year and they're like they've blown up as a band because of it. Um huh. so interesting. It, yeah, it was no, a big I'm, not, I'm not familiar at all. <clears throat> yeah. I'm it's not a band I listened to, but uh or I had not listened to them, I guess is what I should say. But people will ask me like, Oh, do you do pig squeals? And I'm like, I don't, I legitimately don't know how to do. I mean, that, that sounds like, that sounds like a guitar thing. Like, you know, well, like pinch, pinch harmonics or, yeah, well, yeah. or it's something out of the movie deliverance or something. <laughs> so something, well, uh, yeah. I, I was going to say, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't do, I do, I, I do warm up in the studio, but I don't do warm ups before a show necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how, and so I just like, I just find my range and I ease into it. And then I get stronger totally as the night goes, if, if I do it right now, I have, I have, there will be times where if I can't hear myself, I push too far, right. or I push too much and it all gets screwed up. But these shows we just played recently. I mean, all the, all the, all the sound, all the uh, venues were awesome. And the sound was uh, the, you know, the monitor, monitors and the onstage sound was was killer so it was it was uh it was it was easy but yeah dude i i i think you have one of the strongest coolest voices in metal for sure well i appreciate that as far as and as far as screaming goes because i don't listen to a lot of guys that scream uh you know because just like uh i don't know it, it's just uh it can it can be boring or monotonous or whatever right. um you know um i like i i prefer guys you know 
guys that can sing a little bit or like yell or scream and pitch or something like that, which I can't do, you know, very well at all or at all. And, um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you always, you always do interesting stuff and it's like, um, it just fits, you know, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. But I mean, I would say the, the meat and potatoes of what I do goes back to sitting in duck's basement and listening to reject for living sacrifice and being like, okay, well, I'm, I want to sound like that guy because it genuinely terrified me at the time. <laughs> and, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what this is, but there was something about it that sort of probably the devil, um, <laughs> pulling me into doing this, this death metal, um, this death metal thing. And I, and, but I also think to your point, I think that, so like, so a band like Meshuga, it's not about the vocals. Um, I'm not saying he's not a great vocalist. He's a legendary vocalist, but it, he doesn't do a ton of like different yeah, styles. I mean, what it's he, all about the it's all about the riffs and it's all about the so then a band like that I can get into, but if it's sort of just like a metal, just a generic metal core or yeah. metal, whatever band and the singer's just doing the like arf, arf, arf kind of thing all the time, yeah. eventually I'm yeah. like, okay, I I got nothing here to grab onto, you know. Yeah. No, so, I mean he's very he 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 uh what he does fits the the song and the tune and it, it is it is what it is i mean he doesn't stray i mean even the new song that just came out it's like well that's my sugar a hundred percent and they're still <laughs> they're still giving people that experience that you had yeah um, it, when you heard it the first time because i actually have i have some friends online that are much younger than i am and um talking about how this will be my first my sugar record and i'm like what and well, uh, here, here, here's my take on that, because, I mean, I, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I got into Destroy, Erase, Improve, which is like, I think their second album. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Chaos Fear. Chaos Fear is revolutionary. And uh, but Chaos Fear is kind of like where they took that left turn of like, OK, this is our thing and this is what we're doing. And they kind of narrowed it down their sound. I feel like they narrowed down their sound, but they've kept it very super interesting, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they created a thing, right. obviously, almost a genre, if you will. But I, I really love the dynamics of none and the EP none and, and, and destroy race. Yeah. I just, you know, those songs and those albums have more space and they're not, they're not quite so dense right uh but there's also yeah there's dynamics i mean there's a lot of yeah 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 to me anyway. I, that's my favorite stuff like i mean i'm assuming or maybe it's maybe maybe this is something that was more of an influence on rocky i don't know but like there's a lot of stuff on hammering process and conceived in fire that sound that's really got that like dynamic like metallica almost influenced sort of like clean guitar with the big sparkly lead solo kind of thing. Um, you know, it reminds me of like, you know, old Metallica or something. For um, sure. Yeah. It's, and to me, like that, those parts just make the heavy parts better. If that makes any sense, you know, they make the heavy parts sound heavier because it's like, I need a little breather for a minute. So I saw Cannibal Corpse one time and it was physically painful 
for me. Like when the show was over, I just felt like the subwoofers were hitting me in the chest the whole show. And I don't, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Maybe that's an experience that some people need, but yeah, you know, yep. I like the dynamics more. So anyway, me, me, me too. Yeah. Well, we could probably talk just about anything and everything. Um, but I should be respectful of your time. I think we've probably been talking long enough. So cool. Well, thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Appreciate it. All right, man. See you.